0: Today is a prayer for every season, a prayer for every season. I think one of the most important things a pastor can do is to equip his people to pray. And um, I've not always been the best at that. I'm not even proposing that I am the best at equipping you to pray, pray, but I thought I would share a little bit of my evening routine with my daughters. Don't get nervous it's all good. We cover one of any three prayers out of the Bible. The first is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, We say the Lord's Prayer almost every night. They'll tell you. And before we say one of these three prayers, um, there's always your general prayer, okay? So I'm like praying over their minds that they would have sweet dreams. I'm thanking the Lord for protecting them. I'm thanking them for the blessings of the day. We're playing, praying over classmates who needed prayer or, her, or who were mean. Come on, we could pray for our enemies even at that age, you know? We're just praying over everything, and then we'll end with the Lord's Prayer. And then sometimes, if I'm incredibly tired and um, they've not been treating me kindly, it'll be a rapid prayer with a short, in Jesus' name, amen. And then I bolt. So there's those prayers too. But one of my favorites to pray with them, and and I don't pray it as frequently as the Lord's Prayer, just my wiring, I guess. But it's been a very, very helpful prayer, and it's a prayer I'm going to share on and teach on today. It's a short verse. I hope that you will even be able to have a portion of it memorized by the end of service today. It's Psalm 51, verse 10. Very simple, and yet very, very profound. Create in me a pure heart, Oh, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. We pray that probably about once a week. Like I said, we get our general prayers going. And then at the end, I say, Lord, create in me, create in us, create in us, God, a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is a prayer you could put in your spiritual tool belt. You could take it into every room every environment, moments before, moments after, and dare I say, moments during a conversation that is difficult or hard, this prayer has the opportunity to transform the posture of your heart. Transform the posture of my heart. A pure heart is one translation, but to get, get kind of a, a broader idea of that, the real or maybe the best terminology is a whole heart you know god's bringing us into wholeness so we're not fractions of people living in shame living in guilt living a false self but we are made a whole self and god invites us into that and that's that's a bit of the nature of the language of pure heart we do believe all have fallen short of the glory of god right so we we need the righteousness of christ but then also sometimes collectively, days can get a little fragmented. Seasons of life can get a little fragmented. And we, and we, and we just kind of, you know, we become irritable. We become a little anxious. We become a little disappointed. We become a little frustrated. And so David is leading us with Psalm 51.10. And he says, create in me a pure heart. Create in me a pure heart. And it's this idea of a whole despite the brokenness of life, despite the exhaustion of life, this is a simple prayer. God created me a pure heart. It's only something He can provide. And then that steadfast spirit. I turn to your neighbor and say, this is for you. Come on, just do it. Bold play. I get it. I get it. I'm not trying to get you into trouble. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> but a steadfast Spirit. Listen, we live in a day and age with social media, with (laughs) 24-7 news news broadcasting, with the culture, the climate we live in. We need people with a steadfast spirit. Your boss may never pull you aside and say, listen, could you be steadfast today? They probably don't even know they need it, but I guarantee you in your workplace, The culture, the climate, it's longing, it's needing a steadfast, spirited woman or man. So David, he's writing this. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Three seasons I see that this could be particularly helpful. One is a waiting season. You ever been in a season of waiting? Just a quick show of hands. You ever had to wait for something? I mean, mean, a waiting season of life, like... Today, you put down that prayer request, and truth be told, it's not the first time you put down that prayer request. It's been like a decade. It's like a waiting, a waiting season, or it's been weeks, or it's been months. And that's one of my questions for God. Like, when we get to heaven, God, I, I get it, but why so long? <laughs> like, like Why do we have to wait so long? He's going to be like, Paul, you South African immigrant to America, the most needy instantaneous culture on the planet get over yourself don't you see in scripture waiting is part of the process of me transforming you into my likeness waiting season i think about abraham and sarah come on you know you're in for a treat if the pastor's bringing up a waiting season and abraham sarah all right calm down everybody but abraham and sarah 25 years for isaac Whew, that's a Bold promise, but that's a long promise. It took time. Moses, 40 years in the desert. You know, we get, we get the Bible and it's like, in just a few short pages, you skip over 25 years. Like, God, that, that's, a, that's a long process. That's a while. I think about David. I love the story of David. Some parts of it, not so much, but I love the story of David. I love how he was... In the back hills of Judea, hidden, not seen, not known. And Samuel arrives to anoint all of his brothers. You know, and the dad, with a little bit of shame, is like, yeah, there is one other. He's, let me call for him. I guess we'll bring him. And the moment he comes, Samuel knew, that's my anointed. That's the one I've called. There's a lot of hype in that moment. I get really excited about the anointing pouring down and that sense of calling. But then the wait. Dramatic pause. 17 years David had to wait. Not only, and his wasn't the fun kind of waiting. I don't know if there is a fun type of waiting, but imagine with me. His was definitely not the fun type of waiting. The other king was on mission to assassinate him. It was a turmoil. It was a long, it was a difficult season. But I want you to see in the waiting season we have a tendency to blame somebody. And in the waiting season, we have a tendency to want to control somebody or something. It's human nature. You can read Genesis 3 and reflect all on it. I want you to think about that human tendency in the waiting season. Who can I blame for this? Maybe that doesn't resonate as well as it did with me. It's like, why am I waiting? Whose fault is this? Whose fault is that? I used to be on church staff with with my pastor at Destiny. I remember seasons of waiting. Oh, man, I did not handle waiting well. Who can I blame? I know, I'm going to blame the pastor. Not to his face, just in my quiet times. Like, God. What is this deal? Why have I got to wait? Why well, And then it would just move to somebody new. God, look at them. Look at how they behave. Man, they're holding up the process. Lord, get rid of them. Smite them. No, I'm kidding. I never pray. I'm just kidding. We don't do that at this church. We, yeah. uh, you mind if I share what not to pray as well in this message? <laughs> But in a waiting season, our human nature, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. With those closest to you, you blaming them a little bit? You blaming them a little bit for your weight? You got some thoughts about, well, maybe if, maybe if they could... And, and oh, the blame shifted into control. If I can get them to bed. Hey! <laughs> if I can get them to church you know we try to control the situation in the waiting season we're tempted to blame we're tempted to control and jesus invites us to pray and i propose that psalm 5110 is a perfect prayer for the waiting season on a daily basis creating me a pure heart god purify purify my motives Purify my thoughts, purify this anxiety, God, that I feel like I'm missing out, that I have a FOMO attack every time I approach social media, God, purify my heart, oh God, pure, 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 make me whole, and Lord, give me a steadfast spirit in the waiting, amen? Marked by faithfulness, marked by a steady hand, a steady heart. Jesus invites us to pray. Jesus invites us to move away from blame and control and into trust, trust, trust of the Lord. Not only a waiting season, I think of the chaotic season. These aren't really deep theological. They're just real this morning like a waiting season. Let's move to the next fun one, a chaotic season where chaos is on the scene. Chaos, a chaotic season where schedules, where transitions, when these full seasons of life happen and none of your family even asked your permission to have to go to the hospital, to have to walk through a difficult season. I mean, they didn't even think of bothering you. They just went right on in, and chaos came about. And even in your own life sometimes, circumstances of life, flat tires, messed up food orders, the disappointments at work when you're passed over for a promotion, and you're exhausted, and you're like, man, if I could get that job, I could get a little more rest, a little more money, it'd be good. But you don't. So now it's a waiting, and now it's a chaos. And you're thinking, hmm, this thing's chaotic, chaotic season. It's, it's where the mind is restless. The heart is restless. We're just wiped out from the chaos. And this also happens to be a very familiar territory because we're always looking to blame somebody for the chaos. And then sometimes we get a little self-aware. We realize huh, I can't keep a boundary for nothing. I'm to blame for my chaos. And it's like, oh, Lord. And it's all of that swirling around. And here's where we go. We get on our knees, maybe at the end of our bed, maybe before our day starts. We're grabbing a cup of coffee. We're still waking up and we say, Lord, renew a steadfast spirit within me. The principalities and powers of darkness are strong. The lies of the enemy, God, they're emotionally wreaking havoc. The chaos of my mind, I can't even see 10 steps in front of me. God, renew a steadfast spirit. And all of a sudden, it's like his presence enters in. And his peace, his peace can begin to have its outworking in our life. A rather frustrating phrase I've heard from uh, he was a pastor, a bit of a, a minister, Graham Cook. He says that stress is an inside job. How un- or inconvenient is that? Especially if you like to blame, right? If you like to blame or if you like to control, we desperately need prayer to release and relinquish and trust our Heavenly Father. Boldly to... To step into his presence, but boldly to believe the words of Jesus. That he is trustworthy and he is good. And renew a steadfast spirit. Sometimes that's all we need. All we need from appointment to appointment. From from a, a, a moment to a moment. From a difficult situation, we can be a calming presence in the blink of an eye by entering into that prayer. Lord, renew a steadfast spirit. Walmart with your kids during Christmas season. steadfast spirit. But I mean legitimately, from the inner life of chaos to an inner life of peace given through Christ. And then I think about this other season, an unforgiving season. Come on, you just, no, no show of hands, but an unforgiving season. Here's how I wrote it down. Some seasons are unforgiving. It's like all the mistakes you made catch up to you in this season. It's like all the critics found your faults in the same season and they all coordinated with one another. At least it feels like that. It's it's that season you may feel abandoned by those closest to you. You may feel uh, misunderstood. You're thinking to yourself, why does nobody get this? And the next need pops up and you're like, get away from me. The next situation pops up, you're like, no, no, you're going to have to just wait to the next season. I'm learning about waiting, you're going to learn. You just need to wait. You see? An unforgiving season, it just, it can be overwhelming. It's the, it's the only way I know how to describe it. It's like, it's like you come face to face with maybe some mistakes you've made, but you're also at the same time experiencing mistakes other people have made, mistreatment, misjudged, miscommunicated to, and miscommunicatedly heard. It's unforgiving. And somehow, in God's sovereignty, he's given permission for you to walk through that season, but it's still painful, still exhausting. It's still difficult. But know this, God sees you. And know this, that it can sound Christianese or trite, but God gives you prayer for that season. Not a prayer where you got to earn it. Not a prayer where you got to somehow control God for the outcome. But just a prayer where you can pour out your heart. Where you can release the difficulty that's happening on the inside. In an unforgiving season, you can enter into the presence of God because it makes all the difference. David experienced this in 1 Samuel near the end of the book. and I think it's 28, 29, and 30. He experiences this encounter. David, at this time, is on the run. Saul has been trying. He's the first king of Israel. He's been trying to kill David. No easy task when you're called and anointed by God. It's on him, not what the king says. So King Saul's trying to kill David. God's been protecting him, and David's had some unique ideas. And at this point in time, David's got his band of fighting men, 300 plus. And they go out on a, on a, on a raid. But while they're out on a raid, they're being raided. And it's in a town called Ziklag. Z-I-K-L-A-G. Ziklag. And David finds himself backed into a corner because here's what happened. They go out, and then their wives and children and tents are all destroyed. And so they come back. Everything's gone. Nowhere to be found. Then, not only is David experiencing this pain, but the entire group of men is looking to blame somebody and to control somebody. So he all of a sudden has 300 fingers pointed his way, maybe a few javelins, and they're all breathing down his throat. David, what you going to do? And David in 1 Samuel 30 in verse 6 we get this little snippet. David strengthened himself in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord when you're in a waiting season when you're in a chaotic season when you're in an unforgiving season you just want a million dollars but God gives us something so much greater so much more sustainable he gives us prayer and my hope is that we have a willingness. And now my hope is that we have a shortcut. Create in me pure heart, O oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. I can't say whether David said that prayer in that moment in quack in, in quack. <laughs> in fact, I'm quite. That's what happens when you have in fact and quite together in quack, okay? In quack, I'm not so sure. But I do know that David strengthened himself in the Lord and he invites all of us. In fact, David's life would be modeled as one where he would strengthen himself in the Lord time and time and time again. I found this prayer to be a gift. The first way is that it's an open door to God's presence. I find when I approach this prayer, if I can give... Two minutes of silence and stillness, whether it's in a parking lot, whether it's here at the church, whether it's at my home in the morning or in the midday or in the evening, whenever it might be, it's a shortcut into God's presence. Irrespective of your past with the Lord, irrespective of your lack of discipline with the Lord, I just want to say this truth. You desperately need the presence of God in your life what we do here on a Sunday, how we live throughout the the week, we we are, listen, we're participating in the only codependent relationship Scripture says we can have. We are codependent upon God. We need His presence in our life. I love what Brendan Manning says. It's a little bit of a long quote, but I saw, and I see that you're ready for it. Brendan Manning in his book, Abba's Child, he says this, God created us for union with Himself. This is the original purpose of our lives. And God is defined as love, 1 John 4, 16. Living in awareness of our belovedness is the axis around which the Christian life revolves. Being the beloved is our identity, the core of our existence. It's not merely a lofty thought, an inspiring idea, or one name among many. It is the name by which God knows us and the way he relates to us. The indispensable condition for developing and maintaining the awareness of our belovedness is time alone with God. In solitude, we tune out the naysaying whispers of worthlessness and sink down in the mystery of the true self, our longing to know who we really are which is the source of all our discontent, the waiting, the chaos, the unforgiving nature of the season will never be satisfied until we confront and accept our solitude. There we discover that the truth of our belovedness is really true. Our identity rests in God's relentless tenderness for us revealed in Jesus Christ. Our controlled frenzy creates the illusion of a well-ordered existence, We move from crisis to crisis, responding to the urgent. This is a good quote, y'all. Responding to the urgent and neglecting the essential. We still walk around. We still perform all the gestures and actions identified as human. But we resemble people carried along on the mechanical sidewalk at an airport. The fire in the belly dies. We need God's presence. David, in a difficult moment, what took place? He strengthened himself in the Lord. Another reason I like this prayer gets me quickly into God's presence, gives me permission to not be okay. Listen to the phrase. Created me. Why? Because I lost it. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> Life happened. Disappointment happened. Pain happened. Fear happened. My, my, my masks have been revealed, God. Created me in pure heart. Because I feel like I lost it. I love what David's saying in this moment. Hey, help! And we are a people in need. Of help. You don't have to just take my word from it. You can take Chandler's from friends' word from it too. Matthew Perry in his memoir. He describes a breakthrough in his battle with deadly addiction. God, please help me, I whispered. Show me that you are here. God, please help me. I started to cry. I mean, I really started to cry. That shoulder-shaking, kind of uncontrollable weeping. I wasn't crying because I was sad. I was crying because for the first time in my life, I felt okay. I felt safe, taken care of. Decades of struggling with God, wrestling with life and sadness, all was being washed away, like a river of pain gone into oblivion. I had been in the presence of God, I was certain of it, and this time I had prayed for the right thing, help. Eventually the weeping subsided, but everything was different now. I stayed sober for two years based solely on that moment. God had shown me in a sliver of what life could be. He saved me that day and for all days, no matter what. He had turned me into a seeker, not only of sobriety and truth, but also of him. Isn't that incredible? Matthew Perry in his memoir. Not that my last thought even needs to be said. But I say it nonetheless. This prayer reminds me that God is the source of my salvation and strength. In a culture that's telling me I have the answers and need no help, this prayer reminds me that God is the source of my help and my strength. Psalm 51 is written as a prayer of repentance. The entire prayer is given to us shortly after David's darkest days. Psalm 51 is his prayer of repentance when he's confronted by the prophet Nathan. When Nathan has called him out for his sin with Bathsheba and his cover-up to kill Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. He's just lost, unfortunately, the child that she would bear from that. It's a dark day. It's a a valley. David writes Psalm 51 the whole chapter is a prayer. that God, I'm not okay, and I desperately need your presence. God, my spirit is broken. My soul has chased idols, and I'm returning to my first love. Psalm 5110 has been a help, and my hope is that it becomes a help, and it becomes a a tool on the tool belt of life that not just the sermon, but that you would be one to embody this prayer. Lord, create in me a pure heart. Oh God, renew, some translations, restore a steadfast spirit within me. It's the cry of all of our hearts, isn't it? Deep down we know, God, we need your help. Let's pray as we close.